Welcome back to Thank You All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to help us recap uh, Week 10 Sunday in the NFL is Jason Locke and Fora Odyssey, NFL Insider. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. We got to talk about the Browns and the Ravens. What a fantastic contest that was. In terms of the Ravens, how loud is the panic meter right now? Was that such a bad loss uh, to lose it at the end of regulation uh, to where Baltimore is looking perhaps a tad more fraudulent than we thought? Well, all I was being asked last week at the beginning of the week is how are the Baltimore Ravens ever going to lose a game again? And who could you possibly ever put (laughs) ahead of the Baltimore Ravens on your power rankings? And Jason, what? You thought they might not make the playoffs. You're such a jackass. Like, clearly they're <laughs> going to run the table and beat everybody by 30 points or more into perpetuity. Um, and, and my response was, well, I have two critical areas of concern with them. And maybe here's why I haven't anointed them the way some others have. They don't have a GD wide receiver on that roster who can make a play downfield. Zay Flowers makes them underneath an intermediate. It's still Mark Andrews and nobody else. And this defense yeah. is inclined to crack the bed in the fourth quarter when it matters most. And I'm not sure they've overcome either of those, right? They just gave up 175 yards and 70, 17 points to Arizona in the fourth quarter, an Arizona team that had seven fourth quarter points all season coming in. So you can tell me, well, they didn't care about that game and it was so far. And, and you know what? I bought a lot of that. Like, But against Cleveland, when you've got the early 17-point cushion, and then James Prochet, former Raven, muffs a punt, and they and then, then you get a bunch of calls from the officials to sustain that drive. And you go up by 14 with 11 and change to play at home against the Browns offense that had been terrible pretty much all season. And you give that up. You know, like, that's exactly why I was one of the ones. Like, Carl Dukes and I got into it on the In the Huddle podcast last week. He's like, oh, well, you just can't say that they're the best team in football. I'm like, well, here, I have major concerns. They don't have anybody who wins on the outside. Because even the tight end, it's mostly over the middle. I don't see a receiver on this roster who wins downfield on the outside. And I don't know that this defense closes out games when they really need it. And, you know. If you yeah. watch the game, you 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 saw it. You know, it's Zay Flowers underneath, a little bit of that stuff. But I think Lamar Jackson, well, I don't think I know. He's 10 for 31 on balls this season that travel 20 yards or more through the air. Um, and when he throws them to Rashad Bateman, their de facto number one outside guy, uh, for his career, there's three times as many more interceptions as touchdowns. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. We, we talked about it yesterday on BetMGM Game Day, maybe an under-the-radar way to bet on the Ravens via props, Keaton Mitchell. And we saw the explosion early, and we're like, whoa, yep. he's in store for a big day, and then didn't see him the rest of the way. Is Keaton Mitchell the second most explosive player on this offense right now, and what's it going to take for him to get more looks? Yeah, I mean, look, he had nine for 138, a touchdown against Seattle, a 40-yard run, a 60-yard run. Um, I, I liked him a lot in this matchup because he's not a speed guy who you just have to run out of 11 personnel, you know, and try to clear out the box and get finesse with three wide receivers. I liked what they did against Seattle with him on the field and the fullback, Pat Ricard, and go back and watch the explosive run that Pat Ricard's involved. Uh, and then, yeah, the kid's only on the field for four snaps in the second half and touches the ball once. 
And everybody on the team was saying, we got to get him the ball more. And you've got a 14-point lead, right, against a defensive line that's eviscerating your offensive line in the pass rush. You would think a few more screen passes to Keaton Mitchell might have been the difference in the game. I, I don't know how to explain it. My guess is um, there is no cogent explanation for it. it. It just sort of happened. It got lost in the mix. Todd Munkin was calling a lot more play. And some of it was probably the offensive line issues and them wanting Justice Hill, their most proven pass protector involved. But that doesn't mean you can't hand the ball off to Keaton Mitchell, even if you know, you're know you worried about him not being your best pass protector uh, for your quarterback. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, one more explosive play probably wins the game for them. On a day where they couldn't sustain anything anyway, it was just a chunk play here, a chunk play there, a critical uh, official's decision here. I mean, he went over the 21 and a half easy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there was more There was more meat on that bone. The Jags got destroyed yesterday and the Texans only one game behind them for the division. You can still find yeah. the Texans plus 250 to win the division. I'm just curious how you rate this Texans team. And is that a bet you would place looking at the Jags upcoming schedule looks tough. Meanwhile, the Texans may be a little bit easier. Is this a bet that folks might want to think about playing now? Well, I'll say this. Um, I was off the Jags game yesterday. I wanted to see what this San Francisco thing looked like all putting back together. Most importantly being Trent Williams. He is undoubtedly unquestionably the number one cog in that offense. Um, and they're back to being a machine. And obviously Chase Young looks pretty good opposite Bosa. Uh, the Texans I thought were in trouble here in Cincinnati. If you really drill down on them offensively, they are one thing at home and one thing on the road. And I felt like they were running into a bit of a buzzsaw here, even with the Bengals injuries. And I like Cincinnati to cover. I was dead wrong. And C.J. Stroud going on the road when all eyes were on him after that five-touchdown performance and doing what he did to Lou Anarumo's defense and, and doing it in the clutch and doing it repeatedly late. I, I mean, I've already jumped on him on the early look-ahead line for next week. Um, yeah, I think they're – and he did it without his full cast around him. Uh, yeah, I think they're pretty legitimate. It's a very good, very deep offensive line. This kid is obviously special. Um, he's, you know, Collins and Dell, and I know Collins was banged up, didn't play. But, like, they, they've got a good thing going there. And defensively, they've been really good against the pass, even since early last season, when they still stunk overall as a football team. You could look at their secondary and say, you know, you wish they had more picks, but they don't give up many passing touchdowns. So, yeah, I think I think they're going to make it interesting for Jacksonville. And it was right around this time last year that I was telling people, jump on Jacksonville. I think you can get them at four to one. And they obviously ran away with that thing. I'm not sure that 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 Houston quite pulls it off, but it's certainly worth a sprinkle. It, couldn't agree with you more there, uh, just in terms of value and the number you're getting. Uh, that's for darn sure. You were talking about the lack of deep threats for the Ravens, and I wanted to bring up a little bit of research here. In terms of passes beyond 20 air yards, the highest passer rating among qualified quarterbacks belongs to C.J. Stroud at 147 and a half. I find that fascinating just in terms yeah. of, you know, backing the Texans going forward in key spots. But second place of the passer rating of 143 on uh, deep passes, it's Brock Purdy 
How much did he develop as a quarterback since the bye week? He got Trent Williams back. He, I mean, that's it's as simple as that. He could, They could run all their boots. They could run all their waggles. It opens up the entire playbook. He's not just simply a pocket passer. He, you know, it, it unlocks the hell out of the run game. Just watch Trent Williams road grade people 15, 20, 30 yards down the field. So now the outside zone is back to being like, forget about it. If they run outside zone left, what are we going to do about it? Right? And you're so focused on that that now play action. And he got Debo back. Like, no, he's th- this. He's back in the super highly functional, like DVOA efficiency monster offense where now you can just be a point guard. And then that being the point guard will allow some wide open three-point shots. But when they, like, look, just go look at his splits when they're tied, when they're trailing, and when they're leading. It, it, so I, I don't think all that, like, he's changed. I think they got, they got a, you know, a Hall of Fame left tackle back. And then that allows Shanahan to call the game the way he wants to call it, which makes the quarterback, you know, uh, he's not the tugboat. He's the thing being pulled by the tugboat. Trent Williams is the tugboat. Um, Yeah, and as for Stroud, just one more thing on him. Like, he had been destroying teams that blitzed him, but if he sat back and played zone, it was kind of a different thing. And Anarumo doesn't blitz a lot in Cincinnati, and he wasn't going to blitz a lot in this game. And I thought he'd toggle between coverages and give the kid trouble. And I did think he'd throw a pick, and he did, but he overcame it. Like, I, I, that's, that performance for me for C.J. Stroud elevates him to another level. What that performance mm-hmm. from Brock Purdy told me was what I already knew. Everything is together there. They will win eight out of every nine games with him. When it's not, especially the left tackle, it's a, and if he has to play from behind early in a the game, they could lose to any quality team, especially on the road. Yeah, and Stroud backed it up after 470 last week, and then he ends up doing that yesterday as a sizable underdog. Well, we finally got some scoring in this league. Like There were some overs that just crushed where it was evident early in the game. Um, one of my favorite terms that you use for quarterbacks, there's a certain list that, that you call double agents. Any, any uh, quarterback stand out as a double agent of the week? Well, I mean, after two passes, it looked like it was going to be Deshaun Watson. Uh, right. But, uh, but not so much. Um, I'm just trying to think back on the games. Uh, Mac Jones? Well, he, I mean, oh, he got yanked for Zappy. I mean, Zappy probably should have started the game. That thing should have happened sooner. Um, you know, look, I, there's, I mean, there's just not a lot of good quarterbacks right now, right? I mean, right. You, you look at even some guys who flashed like Levis, you know, and what that looked like the first game. And then they have to go on the road a couple weeks in a row. And it's, you know, it, it, it's something uh, totally different entirely. Um, I, I mean, look, Jameis Winston. And I, Jameis is way more fun than Derek Carr, right? But if if <laughs> yeah. all you need is one – if all you need is like three more yards to Alvin Kamara and Carr goes out and Winston comes in, you're thinking, what? He's going to throw bombs away. These drives are going to end shorter than we wanted. Because he's going to throw a first, an interception on first down. We'll throw an interception on second down. We won't even get the third and short where maybe they check it down to Kamara, right? And he he brings home the paycheck. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, but he's fun. Like, and he'll push the ball downfield. And you saw wide receivers like lighten up like they haven't all year, but they still lost the game. Um, and and I told you, Joe, I love Minnesota on the money line there, and that got a little closer than I thought it might at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just, there's, there's a lot of teams that are playing right now that, that just don't have, um, 
requisite play at at quarterback. Um, and yeah. look, Joe Burrow as great as he played. If you want to talk about double agents, I mean those interceptions were were absolutely critical and played a major role. And then not being able to win that game as great as everything else Burrow did to keep him in it. Mm-hmm. Another term that you like to use and when a team punches down, we've seen Miami punching down this season, <laughs> but now they've got the Raiders. I don't know what to make of this Raiders team, but this spread is at 10, an early look at these two teams. Is that enough points? Too many? What are your initial early thoughts on that one? My gut is even after I do my work, that's a game I will probably stay away from. I love Raiders money line. Last night, I, I like the Raiders to win these first two games. I know Antonio Pierce pretty well. I covered him as a beat writer a long time ago. Um, I knew he'd feed Josh Jacobs. I mean, I was all over. You know, the only thing Jacobs didn't do is get that touchdown. And if, man, yeah, it's not for that fumble, which, I mean, okay, whatever. I guess he fumbled. Um, you know, he probably does. I think they know who they are and they have an identity and they'll play a physical brand of football that Miami, you know, struggles with. But Miami at home offensively is just another level, and now they're coming off the bye, and they are pretty healthy. Um, that's a big number. I, I, I'll i probably just play, you know, Jacob's props for the yeah. most part. Um, but, like, that's that defense in, in, in Vegas is, like, it wasn't terrible before, and the compete level now is just to another level with Pierce there. So – I don't know if you can find odds on like Pierce to keep the job, but I mean, I wrote about it at the Washington Post as soon as it had, as soon as it went down. Like Mark Davis will be inclined. Like if he can show what Basaccia showed when he was the interim, Antonio Pierce mm-hmm. is going to keep that job. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, got about a minute left here. Monday night football, Broncos and Bills. Buffalo's a seven point favorite, total of 47 and a half. What do you like here? I like the Broncos, and I have sprinkled on the money line with Denver um, mm. on a bunch of different parlays as well as as straight up. I'll, I, I played it more, you know, also at seven and a half, but obviously I have no, I don't have a problem with it. At seven, I think Williams is going to be fed here. You look at Sean Payton, they have an identity. They're three and two in their last five games. The last four weeks, they're running the ball almost 50% of the time. Top four in that rate. Williams looks like he's all the way back. The Bills can't stop the run. Um, you're seeing Russell Wilson's legs activated a lot. I, I'll take the points with the Broncos. It's it's an under game for me. The Broncos have become a time of possession team. They're going to slow it down. The Bills want to speed it up. Josh Allen, I'm going to keep playing his rushing overs in alt markets at 40 plus. Um, Williams, I think he gets 20 carries in this game. I think Williams goes over 70 yards rushing. Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the Bills do need to get right in the worst way. They will host a Broncos team coming off the bye. We'll have our favorite bets for Monday Night Football right here on the BetQL Network.